Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warriors. This is a Tactical Tuesday. Practical tips, insights, and advice to help you along your clean energy career and grow with us here on Suncast. What does it look like to be a rebel for change? That's a hashtag that EDPR North America has been using for the last couple of years. And when I spoke with their CEO, Sandhya Ganapati, we dug in specifically to the area around attracting, cultivating, and growing talent, both externally and internally in your organization. One of the things that stood out to me the most was how Sandhya made a slight tweak when I asked about skill sets required or that desired bucket of skills, so to speak, that she was looking for, for her team. What she came back with truly was insightful. If you like this kind of tactical and practical advice for your business or your career, you're in the right place. If you're new, Suncast is here to help guide you along your journey. And these practical, tactical Tuesday episodes are specifically shorter form. I say shorter because our longer episodes are typically around 60 to 90 minutes. So this 15 to 30 minute segment is meant to guide you in some specific area today. If, for example, is human resources, talent, and growing your skills and listening to how Sandia converts that into something even more valuable for every enterprise. So thank you for showing up. Here we go with another practical, tactical conversation on Suncast. Because we're at a place where the industry is growing so quickly right now that we really we need we need recruitment as much as we need training. Absolutely. If you could speak to the folks that were bringing on Sandia in 2012, or said a different way, to your team right now, onboarding folks that maybe have no idea, similar to you about yeah. renewables, what do you wish you'd known then that would have really helped you? That would have given you the the basis that you needed quickly, two, three, six months of foundational learning, like where, where would you advise your team to focus now? I think the industry is much more mature today, right? I mean, we have so many resources. You get on LinkedIn and the number of people who talk about things that are happening, it's not only innovation, but the projects that are getting built, issues around transmission, issues around offtake, the new structures that issues around financing. So there is so much of just absolute resources out there right now for all the young people who are coming into the industry to learn about the sector and to actually make a conscious choice. How do they, where do they want to do? What do they want to do within the sector, right? Which I believe probably was there, but much lesser scale and scope, you know, 10 years back when when I started. And so I completely agree with you. I, I do think that today we talk a lot about domestic supply chain, I talk with equal fervor about domestic talent, which is required for the, you know, with the, for the industry, because as the industry grows, we really need that talent pool. And there are the resources and there are lots of us. I mean, like, for example, your podcast is a classic example of how 
people can hear stories about, you know, what's happening in the sector and the innovations and the players and the remarkable leaders that we have. And so it's much different today than it was from the time I, I definitely joined. Maybe we'll speak to those who might. This happens more often than you imagine. Those who might be listening to this and they're actually considering EDP. What do you think are the core skills that they would need to integrate into a company like EDPR at this point in time? I would more not talk more about skills. Mm. I think I, uh, we look for attributes. Uh, so I would talk about curiosity. I would talk about passion. I would talk about commitment to the sector, commitment to the purpose, and more importantly, belief in what we stand for. I think, you know, when people come in with that strong belief in our strategy, with a belief in our vision and what we are doing on the ground, skill sets, we all can learn. I learned, everyone can learn. <laughs> so I, I do think, but the most important thing is people need to come with the right attributes and attitude. I love the redirection to Think about this, not from a skill sets compared with attributes perspective. I haven't, uh, haven't, haven't looked at it from that angle, and I really appreciate that redirection. The company as a global player with global assets working in multiple markets and more importantly with capital markets and your own funds has to think a lot about M&A. And I'm curious, some of the things that for you were fundamental learning around M&A, given that that was your your charge coming in. And I'd like to ask a question that I, I believe is going to be sort of fundamental in our understanding of this for you to define for us. What is asset rotation? I had not heard of it until I first met with you. <laughs> uh, could you explain to me in simple terms what asset rotation means? Sure. So it is simply, uh, people call it asset rotation. Some people may call it divestment. So what effectively happens is once you take a project to a certain milestone, you bring in equity partners into the project. And they can come at different stakes. They can own a minority. They can own a majority. But really, you're recycling capital. So you're divesting stakes in the project, divesting your shares in the project, and bringing in a new partner. And that, too, for EDPR, you know, back in 2012 when I joined, in fact, that was my first transaction with a company. And I was uh, actually mandated to do that. And it was, it was fascinating because the industry was so small at that time. The number of investors who were actually looking at renewables was, the universe was so small. Today, uh, it is part of our core business pillar. So it's effectively you're recycling capital, you're raising capital by selling stakes mm. directly in the assets. Yeah. And then you're using that capital to grow further, to put more megawatts you know, back into the ground. I don't want to assume that Anyone listening to this has the core sort of market understanding or capital markets understanding that you do. So I hope that you'll appreciate the, the yeah. level of question asking that I'm engaging in here. But how does something like asset rotation as a practice, I can understand the concept now, how does that practice yield the kind of successful growth that a company like EDP has experienced or yeah. EDPR has experienced yeah. over the last decade with, with you as a part of the team and helping lead the global strategy? Sure. I, I think uh, as a strategy, it's really self-financing. So effectively, imagine you had, imagine you have $100 and with $100, you can do, you can buy a basket of goodies. Now you're going to sell 80% of that basket to someone else and you're going to raise an additional $100, $150. Now with that additional $150, you're going to buy one and a half more baskets Again, you're going to sell part of that basket and raise $200. And with that $200, you can buy now two more baskets of goodies. So effectively, what happens is it enables you to grow at a magnitude 
which you would have never been able to do with a certain finite amount of capital. So one is it definitely helps in, you know, accelerating the growth, growing at a much faster pace and a much bigger scale. So that's number one. Number two, it also helps in crystallizing value. So when you have actually gone through the process of identifying a location, developing an asset and constructing and taking all of that risk, and then you're bringing in an equity partner, the partner is giving you a premium for having all done all of that work. And so you are crystallizing that value because that premium or what we call as gains is directly going into your financial statements. So on one side, it helps you grow at a magnitude which you would have never been able to do. And you can grow at a much faster pace than you would have done with that finite amount of capital. On the other hand, you're crystallizing the value and, you know, moving it to your financial statements. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid-cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. Its built-in DC-to-DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey, pardon the interruption, but I wanted to just let you know how much of an impact you have on Suncast. Yeah, you. Thank you for clicking play. Without you, this show is just me shouting into the void. But there's still people who don't even know about Suncast. I know. I can hardly believe it myself. (laughs) But that's where you can help me yet again. There's a simple way that you can show some love and help others discover the show. If you cruise over to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast, I'd love it if you would leave a five-star rating and enthusiastic review. That's possibly the single kindest thing that you could do for me today. So if the show has helped, inspired, or even entertained you at all, I'd love it if you would head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast and give me a virtual two thumbs up. All right, back to today's episode. Sandhya, you have grown in leadership at EDPR at what I would consider to be a consistent and potentially accelerated pace. Was there a potential moment where you reflect back and go, oh, this is the inflection point. This is where my career took a big step forward. Sure. With EDPR, definitely it was in 2017. Because the first five years I was running M&A for North America, that's US, Canada, and Mexico. And in 2017, I had the opportunity to lead that function for the group. So today we are present in 26 different countries. And so that gave me the opportunity to work with, with my colleagues in different countries, opportunity to you know frame the strategy of a company much more broadly than North America alone enter into new markets, which we did during that time, understand regulations in Europe and, you know, all of that. And so to me, one, it enabled me to professionally take everything, my experience to a much different, you know, level. And number two, I was super thankful for that opportunity that the company gave me because I was still based in Houston and I was running M&A for a European company. And so that was uh, a leap of faith by the company. And I'm super thankful that I, I think, you know, you know, for that opportunity that I got. 
in that opportunity, you achieved a number of firsts. Would you talk about some of those with us? I think um, rather than any specific one, I, I would just generalize it saying that, you know, during that phase from 2017 to 2021, when I when I led the group, um, we did, uh, you know, the kind of scale of asset rotation, which was five times more than what we did the previous four years. And so that, that was a different, different scale. Mm. Of course, as a company, we were also growing many, many more megawatts. We were growing multiple times of what we did before. Uh, we also enter, entered into, you know, LATAM in a big way. And so we entered into markets like Chile, Colombia. We were also, we also entered into new geographies in, in Europe. So, so definitely entering into new markets, but also the scale and size of, of the transactions that we were doing. And partly, uh, primarily because, you know, the company's aspirations for those years were much different, were a much, you know, much different magnitude and scale than what we had done before. And so, to me, that was fantastic. And more importantly for me, it was also having a global team. It was having a global team and being able to work, you know, with people across different time zones on an everyday basis. And so all of that, I think, you know, makes you, uh, you know, it, it brings a lot of learning and thought process into everything that you do. Over the course of the decade, as I mentioned, you progressively achieved roles that encompass what now is the effectively the the head of region, the CEO role for North America. When you think back over that decade of experience in renewables, in MA, asset rotation, even team building, consensus and strategy building, were there any particular skills? If you think from the perspective of leadership over in Iberia watching you, what were the skills they were watching develop and cultivate into the person that would be ready for a CEO role? Okay, this is going to be my perspective. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot predict what the CEO, what's the leadership thinks. But, but I, I think a few things. One is ability to connect the dots mm -hmm. because it's super important uh, to have the big picture as you move up the chain. When you're learning, when you're starting your career, you're you're always benchmarked. You're always sort of evaluated based on yeah. how detail-oriented you are. As you move up the chain, it's assumed that you're already detail-oriented. And so that it's that ability then to take a step back and look at the big picture and so lay out the strategy. So that's that's number one. Number two, uh, I think I, I do have the ability to work with everyone, which is super important. You know, as I as I mentioned, I, I think that was part of my upbringing, part of my growing up, yeah. uh, that ability to empathize uh, as well as understand and be patient, you know, and to sort of, uh, you know, get a hold of, you know, what other people are thinking. Um, and uh, and more importantly, to, you know, sort of collaborate and bring consensus, which is super important. I think that's, that's I mean, personally, when I, when I look at leaders for whom I would have liked to work at any point in my career, it's those people who would bring all people together in a line. And so I would like to be the one. So probably that's that's what they noticed. And and also then I have a can-do attitude. I never give up. I never give up. I persevere. And that's super important because challenges keep coming every day, different challenges, and we cannot wither. And so, you know, we have to build and rebuild, build and rebuild. And so I, I persevere. So probably that. I think that one thing that stuck out to me is I was poking around, kind of trying to understand how EDPR is positioning itself as a talent pool, as polycultural, sort of a global business, not sort of, but definitely a global business. I found a campaign called hashtag rebels for change, rebels for change. What does that mean to you? I mean, 
the campaign that was started was essentially to encourage girls, to encourage women, and to say that STEM is not taboo to them. Girls can grasp, can, you know, so in, you know they can do well in any career. And so engineering and science does not have to be treated as male-dominated. And so that's, that's the campaign that we launched around Rebels for Change. To me, when I think about Rebels for Change, of course, I, I am completely aligned with our strategy. But for me, when you think about Rebels for Change, the world runs on change. I mean, we are today what we are because somebody thought of making some changes along the way. And I think when you think about Rebels for Change, to me, it's about our ability to think beyond the status quo our ability to constantly say that status quo is great, but there is something better that we can always do. So it is a constant improvisation and, and that pursuit, you know, that, that absolute, you know, sort of commitment and diehard passion to bring about change, to bring about change for a good. And so to me, that is a rebel. And that could be a small change, a big change, could be anything. I love it. I would encourage folks to go watch some of the videos that you all have posted on YouTube and I may steal the <laughs> Rebels for Change. I may borrow or, or co-opt the Rebels for Change hashtag. <laughs> I think it's really, really smart. I'd like to ask about sort of the current status of the industry. And uh, we'll bring it home to your time at Carnegie Mellon. You were recently at the dedication ceremony for our friends Next Tracker and their Pittsburgh plant announcement. I'd love to hear your thoughts on we could talk if you want about the Inflation Reduction Act, but I particularly want to hear your thoughts around the reshoring of steel and other components uh, and what it means for U.S. renewable energy. So, so when you think about U.S. renewables, the pace at which we all developers, we all want it to grow. It's super important in the world that we are living in today that we have security as it relies to supply chain. That availability of equipment should not be a bottleneck ever in our pursuit towards energy independence and energy security, period. Okay, that to me is yeah. the, the biggest thing. And so developing a domestic chain in the US, of course, it's high time we did that. I'm mm -hmm. happy that the IRA is actually helping us, Inflation Reduction Act is actually going to help us through various incentives in order to sort of accentuate what the manufacturing community was planning to do in terms mm -hmm. of laying out new production lines, making new investments, so that they have the certainty that there will be a demand to which they can actually cater to. And so to me, it is energy independence, energy security going, goes hand in hand with having that local domestic supply chain. We talked about supply chain is not only about equipment. To me, it's also yeah. about domestic talent pool. So everything so that we can be sort of, to a large extent, we can be self-sufficient. So I was super happy when Dan Sugar, he invited me to you know go for the inauguration at Pittsburgh. I think it's a fantastic fantastic uh, initiative that uh, that Next Tracker is doing by launching so many production lines all across the US and contributing to the the pace at which the industry should be growing and today we are a 30 gigawatt industry when you think about solar and wind in the US and with the act if you are moving from 30 to 60 annually then we better have it we better get to the domestic supply chain well, I hope that if you are either in the business of hiring people or in the process of getting hired, this episode helps you get one step closer to building out the perfect team, portfolio, resume, and job. It's not just a job you'll know, you'll come to see if you've been in the clean energy industry for any period of time. We're a family. 
And we believe that it is truly important to build out a team of people who truly not just care about their job and the role that they inhabit, but the planet that we all inhabit and the legacy that we're leaving with each and every career we bring into this sector. If you know someone who's been looking to get into this sector and they just need guidance, feel free to send them my way. We have more than a few resources, not the least of which are uh, our recruiting friends. If you are subscribed to our newsletter, you've certainly seen how and when we partner to help bring folks job opportunities and bring them further along in their career. Resourcelabs.co is our home for all the resources that we gather and also our podcast network. Go check out Earthlings 2.0 recently launched into season three with our friend Lisa Ann Pinkerton and Climate Avengers about to wrap season one with our host Alina folks. There are so many more ways that we can help you lean in. Go check it out, resourcelabs.co. And of course, if you want more Suncast, there's over 600 episodes just like this. Tactical, practical advice to help you along your career. Don't miss out on this coming Thursday, another executive profile just like every Thursday of the leaders on the front lines, just like Sandia. And if you did miss out on Sandia's executive profile, you really should listen in from last fall, 2022. It is a keeper. I just want to say once again, thank you to all those who consistently show up as well as our sponsors who help ensure that this is free to you each and every week. Check out everything you'd need to know about our sponsors and how else you could lean in at mysuncast.com. For now, remember you are what you listen to. So thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.